Today we're going to begin a new, I call it mini-series. We've got about 10 days, three messages on Christmas. And we're going to take a look at the celebration of Christmas, then next Sunday the chaos of Christmas, and then Christmas Eve, the, the coming of Christmas, okay? Now, in January, I want you to know the new series that I'm going to start is really, really very exciting. In fact, my staff doesn't even want me to talk about it because I am going to be teaching on the, the top, one of the top three things that people like to talk about, right? First one is sex, okay? And uh, just to give you a little hint. And, and the second one is the, the, the second coming, okay? And so um, the third, you want to know what the third one is? Is there sex in the second coming? I don't know. I mean, something like that. But uh, before we jump into January's topic matter and the joy of January, we need to talk about this season that we're in right now. Are you surviving Christmas or are you celebrating it? And think about the two sets of emotions that are around those, those questions. One is anxiety and fear and stress, maybe wearisome, tired. And the other one is expectation and joy and excitement. When it comes to Christmas, are you surviving Christmas or are you celebrating it? And let's be honest. How many of us here are, are celebrating Christmas right now? Look at these hands. These are the super spiritual people right here. How many of us here are just surviving it? We cannot wait until it's over with, okay? Can I, can, honestly, this, we're an honest church. Just raise your hands. I think most of us would say, you know what? It comes really quick, and in the midst of it, I, it's just chaotic. I cannot wait until it's done. For those of us who are in this survival mode, there may be some words that describe the feelings that you have. One of those words might be money, Right? It's always a stressful time during the holidays. Money seems to be kind of at the forefront of our minds. And that is because a lot of times what we do is we buy things with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like, okay? And yet it stresses us out. The other one might be travel. If you do any kind of travel, it, it just stresses, it takes hours. I took my mom back to the airport uh, during the Thanksgiving time. And it took a couple hours to get through security. Not only that, during the travel, guess who comes in town? All the in-laws and outlaws. Oh, that's a lot of fun when they come in town, right? And then if you think about the tension that is in the home. I mean, we have to decorate everything within, I don't know, a month's time. I mean, a few days after Thanksgiving, we're thinking of decorating the house, which means we have to get up in the attic where it's dusty and dark and there's a lot of cobwebs. We gotta get all that stuff down in the attic. We gotta throw it in the dryer and get it fluffed up, get all the dust off of it. And then we gotta string the lights and lo and behold, as soon as we do that, we find that there's maybe a half a dozen of them that have fallen out of the little sockets and we can't find them, which means it is a trip back to Lowe's or Home Depot, okay? Something like that. And that is just half of what goes on in our homes. The, the, the other part are the parties that we host, right? People come in and they make your house all dirty again. They drop in stuff on your carpets. It is just, I can understand why the Grinch could be considered a real thing, okay? It's just tough. And then you add on the gift that we have to go out and get in the traffic and in the crowds. 
Any of us in the Christmas mood yet? Oftentimes when Christmas happens, for myself, I focus on the mechanics. And a big one for us is the Christmas tree lighting. So much has gone into that. And then there are the Christmas Eve services, and it seems like it's a duration thing. And so for me, myself, I focus in on the mechanics, the tensions of Christmas, and I don't focus in on Jesus. I was reading Rick Warren's book on the purpose of Christmas, and he said this. Ironically, at most Christmas parties, the person whose birthday you're supposed to be celebrating is completely ignored. He's never been mentioned. Although Jesus is the reason for the season, he's often overlooked or merely mentioned along with Rudolph, Frosty, the, Sno- uh, Frosty, the Snowman, Santa Claus, the Grinch, the Elves, and a long list of celebrated characters. He's often overlooked. And that hit me. It's the reason, it could very well be the reason why I, during the holiday season, am in the survival mode. It's because I don't focus on Jesus. And my guess is if you too are one who gets all caught up in the mechanics of Christmas, you are filled with tension as well. Because you have forgotten to focus on Jesus. When you overlook Jesus, you get into the survival mode. When you focus in on Jesus, you get into the celebration mode. This message today is about celebrating Christmas. And my prayer for you, for those who may not believe in Christmas, the person of Christmas, is that you will understand why we who do believe in the person of Christmas celebrate it. And for those of us who do believe in the person of Christmas, what I want to do in this service is I want to take you deeper than you have ever gone before to bring out the joy and the celebration that you and I should have. And not just 300, and, not just one time a year, but 365 days out of the year. Because truly, Jesus is not, or truly, Jesus is the reason for the season, but he is not just the reason for that season. He is the reason for all the seasons. And I want to help you go deeper so that you celebrate 365 and not just one day. So let's dive in. The birth narrative is out of Luke chapter two. And I wanna encourage you to read it. If you haven't read it, I want you to read it. I want you to reread it and reread it for the next, I don't know, about 10 days, okay? Because in this narrative, you hear and find out about the first people that meet Jesus. And they were not the elites. They were not the kings. They were not the deep state, okay? They, they were ordinary people like you and I. They were shepherds. Take a look at this out of Luke chapter 2. That night, some shepherds were in the fields outside the village, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terribly frightened. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great, uh, of great joy for everyone. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born tonight in Bethlehem, the city of David. This is how you will recognize him. 
you will find a baby lying in a manger wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, come, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see the wonderful thing that happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they ran to the village and they found Mary and Joseph and, and, there was baby, baby, and there was the baby lying in the manger. Then the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. The shepherds went back to their fields and flocks, glorifying and praising God. There is something about their encounter that stirred something up within their soul to celebrate. It says that after the angels had announced this, they ran. When, when people are excited about something, they run. They don't walk, they don't bristly walk, they run. These ordinary people were so excited, so thrilled that they ran. And when they ran, they ran to people. And they started telling them, hey, this is what's happened. And then they started glorifying and praising God. There was something that was so, that, that happened that was so, that created an uncontrollable excitement within them that they couldn't contain themselves. And this was just their first encounter. Now let me ask you this question. Can you remember back to a time when you first encountered Jesus? For some of us, that's ancient history. Can you remember that first time that you encountered Jesus and the thrill and the excitement that you expressed? You may have been saying words that you'd never said before. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm forgiven. My, my sins have been forgiven. I got a place in heaven. You were so excited that the book, the Bible, that you had on your bookshelf that was given to you by maybe your parents or, or maybe some concerned person, you finally took it off and you began to read it. You were really excited. You mispronounced the words. You read the book of Philippines. You thought, man, the Apostle Paul, he really went far with the gospel, right? You found out about the Italian author in the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, okay? Wow. And as you thought about this, you were so excited. You know, when I have kids, I'm going to name them Peter, Paul, and Mary. That's what I'm going to do. Jesus was everything to you. And you were excited. So here's my question. What's happened since then? Why did the good news all of a sudden lose its goodness? What happened in your life that the enthusiasm just drained away? Why isn't Jesus celebrated in your life 365 days out of the year? Because the answer is he is worthy of that, is he not? The problem is this. It's forgetfulness. We forget, don't we? We get caught up in the everyday things and the tensions and the activities of life, even during the holiday season, and we forget the wonder and the majesty. And so as a result, the good news 
evolves into just news. It's just informational and it's no longer transformational. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> I've heard Pastor George 30 years now at LifePoint. <laughs> Same Christmas story, you know. Don't you teach on anything different during this season, you know? And it's become informational. Here's what I want you to write down. We are people of forgetting. And yet our faith is strengthened by remembering. We are people of forgetting. But our faith is strengthened by remembering. Now, if you are a forgetter, I want you to know something. You are not alone. The Bible is just filled full of forgetters. In the Old Testament, there is a classic event that happens that illustrates this. Moses has just led God's people out of Egypt, okay? Miracles, all of these miracles. The biggest one, the Red Sea. Moses goes to Mount Sinai. He goes up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments from God to form these people groups into a nation. And while he is up there, some of his followers, some of his leaders forget about God and they make an idol. Let's read this out of Exodus 22, 7 and 8. Then the Lord told Moses, quick, go down the mountain. The people you brought from Egypt have defiled themselves. They have already turned from the way I've commanded them to live. They have made an idol shaped like a calf, and they have worshiped and sacrificed to it. They are saying, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. Will you circle the phrase, already turned from the way? Do you realize, from the event of the dividing of the Red Sea to when Moses gets the Ten Commandments and comes down from Mount Sinai is about a month's time. And in a month's time, all these miracles that they had done, the biggest one, the dividing of the Red Sea, bam, they'd forgotten about it. Kind of sounds like us, doesn't it? We kind of forget about the miracles that God has done in our life, maybe even last week. Now, this isn't just true of the New Old Testament. It is also true in the New Testament. There is a story in the Bible where Jesus feeds 5,000 people. And not a month later, but just two to three days later, they find themselves in a large crowd and Jesus turns to his disciples and says, hey guys, I don't want them to go hungry. And they panic. Where in the world are we gonna find any food? And I read this story and I'm thinking, Come on, guys, it wasn't a month ago. This was just two or three days ago. Really? I mean, you could have turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, you did it just a few days ago. Just do it again. And this time, add dessert. Don't just give them bread and fish. Give them some dessert like pecan pie. It's the season, Jesus. Now notice what Jesus says to him in Matthew 16. Don't you remember the 5,000 I fed with five loaves and the baskets of food that were left over? Don't you remember the 4,000 I fed with the seven loaves with baskets of food left over? You see, anytime, Jesus, anytime there was a crowd, there's more than 
what's recorded in Scripture where Jesus would just do a miracle. He'd just feed them all. And yet Jesus is here with his disciples. Come on, guys. Would you please just remember what I've done in the past? Now, honestly, I'd like to distance myself from these knuckleheads, okay? But I can't because they remind me of myself. I hate to stand before you or sit before you as your pastor and admit this, but folks, there are times that I forget the goodness of God towards my life, especially during the holiday season. I always want more. I forget to worship. I forget to praise God that he has forgiven my sins. I forget to praise God and give him thanks that i got a purpose for living right now, that I've got a home in heaven in the future, that he is working in me. And yeah, he's even working through me, which I am humbled by. I forget that. I mean, is there anybody here that's kind of like me? I think all of us would fall into that category, would we not? Do you know how People were reminded back in biblical times of God's goodness, of his greatness, the things, the miracles, the commands of God. Well, the followers of God, what they would do is that they would wear tassels so long. There are little cords wrapped together into little knots and groups. And they were to wear them on their clothes, on their prayer shawl. One on each corner so that when they were out or other people were out and they were looking around, they would see these tassels and and they would be reminded of God's goodness. They would be reminded of God's greatness and all the miracles that he's done and all the commands that he wanted them to follow. Take a look at this out of Numbers 15, verse 39. The tassels will remind you of the commands of the Lord and that you are to obey the commands instead of following your own desires and going your own ways as you are prone to do. Even today, you might see Orthodox Jews wearing these prayer shawls with the tassels there. You know what I wanted to do as an object lesson? I wanted all of us, I wanted to give all of us tassels. I went to (laughs) tassel.com, and there weren't enough available. So I had to come up with a different way to help you and I to remember Christmas and celebrating it. And not just celebrating it once, but celebrating Christmas 365 days out of the year. Because Jesus isn't the reason just for the season. He's the reason for all seasons. And the idea I came up with was change. Get it out. Get out that little bag of money. Okay? Just jingle it. Let me sing. Jingle bells, jingle bells. Grandma drives a wrecked-up Chevrolet. Hear that? I thought of money because I thought of change and money because I thought... Money is everywhere. I mean, we carry money in our pockets, don't we? And so I thought, okay, I can give them money because the money can remind them to celebrate Christmas. And I want you to know, this money that you have comes out of my retirement fund. There's a lot of pennies in that retirement fund. 
and a nickel and a dime and some quarters. Now, I know that some of you are plastic people. In fact, I was at Legacy West about a couple of months ago. Legacy Hall. You been there? Going to go eat. Pull out my billfold. Going to pay cash for some weird thing. I can't remember what it was. And he says, I'm sorry, we only take plastic. And I thought, plastic? What, what do you mean? Here, I'll get you a piece of plastic right here. No, credit cards, right? I said, I'm a Dave Ramsey guy. FPU, Financial Peace University. I have a credit card. I couldn't eat there. Wow, okay. I know some of us are plastic people, and that's okay. But you can find change anywhere. Can you not? You can walk in a parking lot, and lo and behold, you will find, I don't know, maybe a penny on the ground. You, you can, you can uh, maybe it's in your ashtray. A lot of people put change in their ashtray. They don't carry it in their pockets, but they put change in their ashtray. I guarantee this, you go to Starbucks, they always got a little plastic container there. You throw change in. There is change everywhere. And this change is to remind you and I of what Christmas is all about so that we can celebrate. And I want to start off practically with the penny. Get the money out. Get the penny in your hand. Get the penny in your hand. Do you see the penny? Raise your penny, okay? Look, I don't see all the hands up there. Get those pennies up. Take a look at that penny. The first letter of penny is what? P, and it stands for past. Will you circle the word past? We celebrate the past, but we just don't celebrate at Christmas time of Christmas's past. We also celebrate that our past has been forgiven. Put that back in the bag. Folks, that is worth celebrating. Jesus came as a baby because he didn't want to scare us, but he grew up into an adult. He lived a perfect life, and he went to the cross to forgive us of our sins, to forgive our past. And I want you to hear this. There is no past that Jesus can't forgive. You may have grown up in the 60s and 70s and got into dr drug, sex, and rock and roll. Your life could have been shown on Jerry Springer, right? But understand this, Jesus came to forgive all pasts, every past, and that is worth celebrating. And so when you see a penny, you think of past. I'm gonna celebrate past Christmas, and I'm celebrating the past that it has been forgiven by God. Take a look at a few verses here out of Mark chapter 2, verse 17. Jesus said this, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come, in other words, Christmas, to call the righteous, but sinners. He was born so I could be forgiven. Romans 4, take a look at this one. Oh, what? Will you circle this word? Joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are forgiven are put out of sight. Yes, what circle word? Joy for those whose sin is no longer counted against them by the Lord. Will you underline sin is no longer counted against them? What is he saying there? Simply this, 
that when God forgives you, it's forgotten. It's not like you and I. Uh, someone can come up to you and say, hey, have you forgiven so-and-so for you know, hurting you the way they have? Oh, yeah, I've forgiven them. No, no problem. It's, it's done with. And then they show up in your presence. And all of a sudden, those feelings come right back. You been there? And you got to forgive them again. That he's saying here, it's forgiven and it's forgotten. And the day that you stand before your creator and you say, about that sin, he's going to go, what sin? Which means this, that when you get there, guess what? You're safe. You are safe. Safe from what? Safe from the enemy of hell. Take a look at Colossians 1, 13 and 14. For he has rescued us from the one who rules in the kingdom of darkness. And he has brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. God has purchased our freedom with his blood and has forgiven all our sins. You see, if you haven't received the gift of salvation, I can't think of a better time to do it because it will not cost you one penny. It is totally free to you. It costs Jesus his life, but it is free to you. I just gave you the gospel. And so when you see a penny, you can celebrate your past, that it's been forgiven. Now pull out the nickel. I want to see everyone, put the nickel up. Okay, now put the nickel back in your bag. Don't want you to lose that. When you see a nickel, the first letter of a nickel is what? N. That stands for now. Will you circle that word now, okay? But you just don't celebrate the present Christmas. You celebrate that God's Spirit is in you now. Folks, that is worth celebrating. You can celebrate that when you said yes to Jesus Christ, God invaded your life through his Holy Spirit. He's invaded you, and that is worth celebrating. He lives in you now. He just doesn't live in your past. He lives in your present which means that you don't have to go through the holidays alone. You don't have to go through anything alone. He is always with you. I really believe that when you and I forget this truth, that God is not only in our past, but he is in our present, that he dwells within us. When we forget that, we mess up. And we begin to compromise our faith and our lives because we think God is distant He's somewhere out there, but he is not. He lives in the now, and he lives in you. Take a look at Romans chapter 8, verse 11. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. Did you hear that? Folks, that's worth, that's worth celebrating right there. God has placed his spirit in you just as he placed his spirit in Jesus. 
And how much of the Spirit did Jesus have? He had it all. He was all God, fully God, fully human. He had all of God. I and the Father are one. I'm it. How much do you have? When you said yes to Jesus Christ, how much of God do you have? As much as Jesus had. Take a look at this verse out of John chapter 3, 34. When the Spirit of God was in Jesus, it was without measure and without limit. For God's Spirit is upon him without measure or limit. Think about that. You have it without measure and without limit. And so when you see a nickel, remember to celebrate in the now. Not just the past, but in the now that God's spirit is in you. Get it? Good? Give it away. Now, let's go to the dime. Everyone get the dime up. Been so much easier to have tassels. Got the dime? Okay, the, the, the dime starts with the letter D and circle the phrase determined destiny, okay? We celebrate that we have a determined destiny, but not just a vague determined destiny. Will you write this down? We celebrate that we have a place in heaven. If you are a follower of Jesus, and you have said yes to Jesus Christ, your past is not only forgiven, you not only have the Spirit of God indwelling you, all of the Spirit, but you also have a determined destiny. Folks, God covers it all. The past, the present, and the future. You have a determined destiny, a place in heaven reserved for you. And folks, that's worth celebrating. Even if that means you only get a bungalow there. I know for Cheryl, she is a saint, okay? She's gonna have this big mansion. She's gonna, I'll be living next door and I'll have this little bungalow. Hey, servant shack is out in the back, dude, okay? But that's worth celebrating. Now, why do we celebrate this? Because when my life ends, it doesn't end. It doesn't end. Holidays can be some of the bummer, the worst times, bummer of times, because... We lose loved ones. We think of loved ones that aren't with us. But death has no sting. It is like a bee that stinger has been pulled out. You can hear it buzzing around, and it may scare you a little bit, but it can't bite you. Truly, death is God's way of kicking open the door into eternity future. Take a look at John 5, 24. I assure you, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. If you believe, you belong. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. My wife and I have already determined my funeral, and the theme song is gonna be cool in the game celebrate good time, come on. And we're gonna serve Taco Bell for everyone that's there. You will not want to miss it. <laughs> Folks, I'm telling you, 
I've been doing a lot of studying on Billy Graham's life. I'm gonna do a, I'm gonna do a message, not to idolize him, but to understand the principles that he operated off of because he lived it from beginning to the very end. And I think it's worth studying. I love to read biographies. But I, I've been reading and doing, watching interviews and he was not afraid of death. Why? Because you don't die. And that is worth celebrating. So you have a penny for your past. And you have a nickel for your now. And you have a dime for your quarter. Everybody get out the quarter. What is the first letter of a quarter? Q. I want you to circle spiritual growth. You can celebrate that God is in your past. He is in your present. He is in your future. And while you are here in eternity present, that you will have spiritual growth. And so write this down. I can change. I can celebrate the fact that I can change. That I, I can be different. That I don't have to think of the good news as just informational, but rather it can be transformational in my life. I can celebrate that. Now, how, do you go, how are you going to remember the quarter? Well, it's really easy. Jesus told a story that's commonly referred to as the uh, uh, parable of the sower. It's a farmer who goes out and he plants seed. And of the seed that he plants, one quarter grows. 75% doesn't grow. Only one quarter of the seed that he plants grows. And so you can celebrate growth as you remember that. Take a look at this story in Matthew 13, 4 through 8. As he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the, ground, on the road, and birds ate it. There's, there's one quarter. Some fell in the gravel. It sprouted quickly, but didn't put down roots. So when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. There's the second quarter. Some fell on, in the weeds, and it came up, and, or as it came up, it was strangled by the weeds. There's the third quarter. And some fell, and will you circle this, on good ground, and produced a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. What percentage grew and produced fruit? One quarter, 25%. How many of you can remember that? I know we're a lot better looking than the Presbyterians down the street, but we're also a lot smarter. We can remember this, okay? Now, because God's Spirit is in you, 
because your past has been forgiven, because God's spirit is in you, and because you know your destiny. Folks, you can change. You can be different. You don't have to be the same person. You don't have to have the same marriage. You don't have to have the same, same family. You don't have to have the same future. The good news doesn't have to be just informational. It can be transformational. And that transformation is truly a gift worth celebrating. It is a sacred privilege to have the Spirit of God in you, working in you and working through you. And it is a reality truly for those who have good hearts. And we can celebrate that. And we can celebrate that 365 days out of the year because Colossians tells us every day we are being renewed. Now, I want you to dream with me. What would your life look like if you go through life with an attitude of celebration 365 days out of the year? Do you think, do you think your life would look any different if you were filled with celebration 365 days out of the year? If every time you saw a penny, you remembered that your past was forgiven, would your life be different for that? If every time you saw a nickel at Starbucks and you remembered that God is in the now, that he lives within you, all of God, would your life be different for that? If every time you saw a dime and you thought of, man, you know, things are looking pretty bleak. I don't know what tomorrow's going to look like or next week or whatever. And yet you remembered that you have a determined destiny and it's in heaven, a place in heaven. Would your life be any different for that? Would your life be any different if you remembered every time you saw a quarter that you can be different? that you can change. My guess is it would. And instead of you being thought of as forgetful, you would be remembered for an unforgettable faith that celebrated life regardless of what was out there, 365 days out of the year because your focus wasn't on the tensions of life but rather were on Jesus. So get your coins. Get them up like this. Shake them. Keep shaking them. Because we're celebrating this fact Emmanuel, God is with us. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that you chose to leave heaven above and enter into human history that we might know who you are. You knew who we were. You created us in your image. You knew everything that we experienced and the feelings in life. And yet you wanted us to know you. And we thank you that you made it so personal that we could see you with our eyes. 
that we could hear your words, that we could hug you, that we could walk together, share moments, because you want a relationship with us that we will never forget. And I thank you for that. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you believe in the Jesus of Christmas. But if you haven't said yes to him, and there's something that's in you that says, this is it. Now's a great time. By just saying, God, I admit it. I've blown it. But I believe that you're my savior and that you cleaned up my past by dying on the cross for it and that you want to change me because you've given, you're going to give me your spirit. And I've got a great future because of that. God, right now I want to say yes to you. Come into my life. Change me, God. Work in me and work through me. And if you prayed that prayer, as simple as it was, God hurt you. On your communication card that's in front of you, just put your name, email address. I'd love to, love to get in contact with you. I'd love to send you some information that'll help you understand what you just did. Because God wants you to know him and he wants you to remember him 365 days out of the year. Lord, we thank you for this time. In these next few days, as we move towards your birthday, may we, when we see some change, God, just remind us, because we're great forgetters, we just need to be reminded that our lives might be different, that we might be those who celebrate, who are optimistic in a faith-filled way because of you. We give you this in your son's name. Amen.